Welcome to Allianz Talks. I'm John White, Senior Director, Global Clients at Allianz Global Corporate and Specialty. This podcast series provides quick perspectives on current and emerging trends related to the insurance industry, one talk at a time. The title of today's talk is Inclusive Wellness, and we're going to take a look at the disparity in healthcare and wellness in underserved communities. Black healthcare and wellness is the theme for this year's Black History Month, and we have curated a very special episode of Allianz Talks to discuss this very important topic. Black health and wellness is an important issue that impacts the future and prosperity of our nation and strikes at an even more salient chord when we continue to push our way through the COVID-19 pandemic. But while I'm thankful for and welcome any opportunity to highlight health, wellness, and disease prevention, we must focus on these issues year-round and take opportunities to redefine how we look about improving our health. In North America, our health is closely tied to the conditions in which we live, like our neighborhood, access to green space and physical activity, whether we have access to healthy food, exposure to environmental toxins, the ability to access health care, the quality of the care that's available to us. And collectively, these types of health influencing agents are known as social determinants of health, and they are unfortunately segregated by race. To help me with this discussion, please welcome our guests today. Kevin Whitehead, Regional Practice Leader for Liability Corporate Accounts at Allianz Global Corporate and Specialty, Kevin is also a member of the AGCS Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Steering Committee. My second guest, who will be our moderator, is Melissa Fulmer, Regional Head of Client Relations and Development. Melissa, Kevin, welcome to Allianz Talks. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. And Kevin, welcome to Allianz Talks. I'm looking forward to learning more about this very important topic. So as a key member of our Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Steering Committee, you are aware that Allianz is continually trying to make improvements, creating more awareness when it comes to DE&I. We've actually taken this a step further with our customers who have recently been inquiring on a more frequent basis what it is that we're doing as an organization. Again, I'm honored today to speak with you, Kevin, around this topic, as it's not only important to Allianz, our customers, but also personally something that I'm seeking more clarity on. Let's get started. So Kevin, when it comes to accessibility of quality healthcare, there remains inequalities. And as a result, this negatively impacts the outcomes for African-Americans and other minorities, especially those in varying socioeconomic statuses. Can you comment, Kevin, on what drives these inequalities? And if you have any personal experiences, would you mind sharing them with the group today? Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Mel. And again, I'm glad to be here to speak on this podcast on, a, on an important topic. Uh, yes, the disparity that you speak of is certainly of uh, very serious concern. I would say for African Americans, much of the disparity is steeped in the history of our country, uh, where for decades, even some of the most basic of medical care was simply out of reach and hardly even ever considered for many African Americans. Um, if you consider the fact that the Civil Rights Act was only passed in 1964, uh, a mere 57 years ago, um, you know, and, and until that point, 
hospitals were still segregated and quality health care was simply non-existent for many black folks. Um, I think it's well documented that much of the chronic disease that afflicts many African-American communities today, things like diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, a lot of these things are often tied to hereditary issues and passed down from generation to generation, right? And why, why is that important? I think the, the lack of accessibility and inequality in healthcare has often led to increased skepticism. It led to fear and just kind of a general lack of trust of the medical community. And these things only exacerbate an already dire situation, right? This, this phrase of pre-existing conditions that have become part of our everyday lexicon. And because African-Americans have an increased propensity to be diagnosed with many of these conditions and diseases, coming up with preemptive measures to curtail these illnesses must remain a top priority for all of us. Um, I think efforts to break this cycle requires a continued focus on more comprehensive health education, as well as uh, emphasizing preventative health measures as well. Um, absent these things, we're going to continue to perpetuate the situation where many folks only seek medical attention when it's too late, uh, more out of a reaction to something that's already happened, as opposed to focus on ways to prevent them from happening in the first place. You know, finally, I think it's fair to say, rightly or wrongly, that there remains a perception that hospitals in many of these underserved communities are ill-equipped to deal with many of the chronic health issues that exist in those communities. I grew up in Harlem, and I've personally witnessed numerous examples of friends and families that have come in need of critical medical attention, but would simply go out of their way to avoid hospitals that are more local to them in preference of hospitals located, in, located downtown and more affluent neighborhoods. You know, there's a sense that they receive far greater quality of care in those more affluent communities. That's very insightful, Kevin. Thank you for not only sharing that, but also your personal experiences and perspective. Switching gears, so I understand that after years of negotiation with the health insurance industry, that the Affordable Care Act provided Americans of all colors and socioeconomic statuses better access to medical care but it's clear there's still more that needs to be done. Where do the deficiencies exist in our healthcare system and what needs to be done? So I, I believe that the passing of the Affordable Care Act, uh, certainly a first of its kind and a huge step in the right direction. I think it provided a pathway to healthcare coverage for many Americans that were uninsured and in desperate need of that kind of financial security. So prior to its passage, access to healthcare was largely tied to employment and for those that were either unemployed or where, um, you know, that kind of benefit was not afforded to them, you know, they, they were pushed into a more high-risk category. Um, in addition, I think, you know, back to COVID in its early days, right, and the spotlight was really shown on this very loose definition that was established for those who identified or designated as essential workers. Um, I would say its uh, original intent was to refer to, you know, folks that were doctors or nurses or police officers and things like that. But I think things, you know, quickly morphed into including, you know, more blue-collar workers like bus drivers, sanitation workers, or food delivery people, often resulting uh, in putting many of those folks in harm's way uh, to be at the service of, of, of others. Um, at the end of the day, nothing is ever perfect. I don't think there's any silver bullet that can fix all the challenges when it comes to, you know, health insurance. But I think it's important to keep chipping away at the ideas that optimize quality, affordable health care for this country. And I would say it starts with moving beyond the notion that health care is a privilege 
and embrace the idea that it must be viewed as an American right. Um, finally, I think we have to consider how we tackle the lack of understanding and basic awareness around self-care and the idea of living a healthier lifestyle. This is important in every community, but I think particularly in black and brown communities, as those communities are the ones afflicted at a far more dis disproportionate rate than others. I think that's such a key point, Kevin. That healthcare is a privilege, and that we need to start. That we need to start embracing the idea that it needs to be viewed more as an American right. Uh, that really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. So I have some other questions that are related to unconscious biases and microaggressions when it comes to healthcare and wellness within the Black community. Are you able to provide some insight into what this community faces on a regular basis, even in an indirect way? Yeah, sure. So I think you'll hear me talk about this the time and time and again, and others have referred to this kind of lack of trust that we spoke about earlier. And again, tied to our history, right? If you think about uh, things like the atrocities associated with the Tuskegee experiment, right, and then, and then the case of Henrietta Lacks, uh, I think these are two controversial examples of the history of mistreatment of African Americans by the medical community, right? In fact, the Tuskegee experiment uh, is often cited and linked to much of the hesitancy within the African American community uh, when it came to the COVID vaccine um, and the skepticism associated with that. Um, I think, you know, you could. Can I interrupt you yeah. there? Uh, when you talk about the Tuskegee experiment, I'm not sure if all of our audience is aware of that. Can you comment on what that is? Yeah, sure. It was, again, it was an experiment uh, done um, that it started in the 1930s. It was done in association with um, the CDC as well as um, um, the, the kind of a health system established back in those days, uh, again, at the at Tuskegee University, which is an H HSBC, historically black college, where they um, essentially would we were trying to do a study on the effects of syphilis on on, on people, uh, on black people in particular, and and essentially they um, uh, you know claimed to be doing a study that was only going to last you know six months to analyze the stuff. And even though um, you know cures had been established for that, they were purposely you know, not evidencing or die or you know um, informing the folks that they were doing these experiments on. And as a result, there were about 400 people that this study was done on, and probably about 100 you know, people end up dying from this thing. And they've been having you know, longer-term effects, but it was all done <clears throat> under the guise of kind of some experimental study, but they weren't disclosing uh, the impacts of what was happening and not you know, properly delivering medical attention to those folks. Uh. So that, this, that was, it was supposed to be done for, uh, for a six-month period. It actually was done over... Uh, over a 30 or 40 year period. It just ended basically in 1972 and all of this stuff started to come out in some various news reports uh, disclosing some of, so some of those things that were, um, that were done uh, during that time. So terrible. Thank you for sharing that. And mm -hmm. I'm sorry to interrupt your, your response yep. earlier. Yeah, no. And so uh, anyhow, so I think also if you consider kind of the well-documented disparities in the way um, you know, black women, for example, have been served or not served by many doctors throughout history, right? I think, you know, there was a, I read a study recently that was done uh, just uh, a few years ago in 2018 that showed amongst uh, developed nations, uh, the U.S. had the highest number of maternal deaths per capita than any of the other 
10 comparable countries. And then within that, they took it a step further and said that black women in the U.S. had died at a rate that was three to four times that of white women. And, and, and obviously there's a big disparity there and you have to you know, try to understand what is underlying you know, some of that as well. But stats like this and countless other uh, documented examples where doctors have minimized many of the ailments that black women claim to be having, um, brushing over these concerns and not properly diagnosing or treating them, I think you know, certainly you know, led to some of the, uh, you know, the lack of trust as well. I think finally, if we're going to work on building more trust in the healthcare community, one thing that can contribute to that is creating opportunities for folks in African-American communities to pursue a career in medicine. Um, you know, when any of any of us, right, you just kind of take a step back and start to think about when you're looking for a new doctor, you know, I think priority one for any of us, right, is finding someone who is highly qualified. But I think beyond that, finding a qualified medical professional that looks like you can also help in building that trust. Um, but it then starts with education and how we kind of, you know, make education even more affordable. Um, if education is expensive in general and out of reach for a lot of, you know, a lot of people, particularly in, you know, black and brown communities, achieving a medical degree is, is even that much harder, right? And figuring out a way that supports growing the ranks of black and brown doctors certainly would have a, a significant impact. Um, you know, the, the idea of kind of shared experiences between, you know, doctors and patients, you know, can obviously make a huge difference. Um, it was recently announced, in fact, that NYU is taking up part of that challenge by affording you know, full tuition scholarships to all students entering their MD degree program and uh, an additional perks are being um, afforded to African-American females. So these are things, and, and but a few examples of things that you know, certainly can contribute to building that higher level of trust that we kind of spoke about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that you share um, some of the initiatives that are taking place to change, um, to, ch to turn this around. Mm -hmm. uh, but clearly, still so much to be done. And it starts with awareness. And everything that you shared with us today um, clearly helps make the audience and, and me personally aware. So thank yeah. you for that. And thank yeah. you for your time, Kevin. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Mel. As you said, it does start with awareness. Well, I must say that that was an interesting and very relevant discussion for our Black History Month special episode of Allianz Talks. Kevin, you have provided us with insights both personal and otherwise on so many topics related to inclusive wellness, including the current healthcare landscape and the history as it relates to the Black community. We discussed the disparities within the Affordable Care Act, we talked about the unconscious biases in healthcare, and finally, the lack of inclusivity in the wellness industry. And we managed to do all of this in under 30 minutes. So Kevin, Melissa, thank you again for participating in Allianz Talks. And to our audience, thanks for listening to Allianz Talks, where we tackle today's insurance industry concerns one talk at a time. Until next time, I'm John White. <laughs>